Does anybody here like to just settle into a couch and watch some TV every once in a while? Yeah? Yeah? Okay, that's what I thought. Um, and maybe it's not watch TV. Maybe it's sit on your phone. Maybe it's get on your iPad. Maybe it's play a video game. Maybe... I had a video game fan hoot and holler. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's read a book. Does anybody do that still? Some of you. Sweet. Awesome. Well, I can tell you what happens in my house, okay? And I don't know if it's similar to your house, but this is what happens to me in my house. I get home either from work or like, like a Tuesday night, like tonight. I'm going to get home around 10 o'clock, 10.15, something like that. After we shut down this place, clean it all up, um, I go home. Everybody's asleep in my house, and, and there's just this empty couch sitting right in the living room with a TV in front of it and a remote. And I sit down in it, and I get really comfortable, and I turn it on, and then I just peruse Netflix for like three hours. Maybe not three hours, but I do, I do like look at it for like ever. And sometimes I do, the, the whole time I'm there, I'm just looking at what's on Netflix and I never even watch anything. I'm just looking at what's on Netflix. Has anybody ever done that before? You got caught in the browsing trap? Dude, it's crazy. Or sometimes I'll find a new show and then I'll watch it. I'm like, you know, that was pretty good. I wonder what happens next. And I'll watch another one. I'm like, that was even better. I wonder what happens next. That, that wasn't as good, but I wonder if it gets better. And then what's next? Five shows in, I pass out on the couch, and I didn't move at all. And the best is when I have, like, cheese puff dust all over my chest because I've been eating cheesy poos or Dorito cheese. You know what I'm talking about? No, just me? A few of you. A few of you know what I'm talking about. But it's so easy to sit on this thing and veg out and not move, right? I mean, you just kick your shoes off. You're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is good. And you, and you just don't want to move. You're like, man, I'm not leaving. I'm going to hang out here for a long time. And thankfully, I wore the socks that don't have holes in them. And you just hang out and you don't move for a long time. Now, this whole idea of not moving is going to play into what we're talking about tonight. But it also got me thinking about a particular animal. Anybody ever heard of a shark? Yeah? A few of you? Um, yeah, they, this is what they look like if you've never heard of a shark. Um, they are large fish that like to eat stuff. And I'm just telling you, if I run into a shark in the ocean... And you're in the ocean with me. My only job is to make sure that I outrun you to the shore. Because I am not going to get eaten by a shark. All right? I hate sharks. Sharks and snakes, two of my biggest fears in life. Um, but this, these bad boys were featured on the Discovery Channel a few weeks ago. Anybody watch Shark Week when that comes on? Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty big week. Did anybody watch the Michael Phelps race with the Great White? Did anybody else feel cheated by that? <laughs> it was a digital shark. It was not real. I was very let down. But then you think about why you're really let down. Because I think what we were all wondering is, is the shark going to try to eat an Olympic legend? And if so, that's must-see TV. 
And then you think, man, I'm really sick for wanting to watch an Olympic athlete get eaten by a shark. Anyway, I digress. The point is, sharks, these guys right here, if they stop moving, they stop breathing. Did you know this? So if they stop breathing, what happens to them? They die. Now, similarly to sharks, if we stop breathing, what do we do? Exactly. You guys are obviously going to be scientists and doctors one day. Now, these, these similarities we have with sharks, as far as the breathing thing, that's kind of something universal with living creatures. If you stop breathing, you stop living, and you die. Now, the, the thing that's interesting about sharks is not only if, do they, if they stop breathing, do they die. If they stop moving, they die. And so this idea of us chilling out on couches and just getting really relaxed and comfortable and letting ourselves kind of sink in and not move is very much tied to life. Have you ever sat on the couch for like three or four hours and you're like, what did I just do with the last three or four hours of my life? And you felt like you wasted it. Yeah? Well, that, that is a lot of how what some of us can fall into in our life, not, not literally on the couch, even though that happens too, but like there's moments in our life where we are just stagnant and we stop moving because we got comfortable or we got, we got something that's holding us down, keeping us in a particular place where we're not moving and experiencing the life God actually has for us. Last week, we talked about the fact that we get breath, literal life from God, Right? And the key to us getting this new spiritual breath, the spiritual life, because we all have physical life right now. We're all here. We all got here somehow. We're all looking at me right now, listening. Like everybody is alive physically right now. But it's not until we meet Jesus that we become alive spiritually. And that's when we breathe for the first time spiritually. And we get back the breath that we used to have back in Genesis, back in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve had a relationship with God. And so if we get this life... And we start to experience it. It's like, okay, what now? It's like, okay, I've taken my breath spiritually. I've accepted Jesus. I know him now. What, is it, what does it mean now to have this life? Because ultimately the Bible's painting this picture of sin equals death. That was the consequence of sin. That's what happened because of sin. We spiritually died inside and then we eventually physically die now because of sin. So sin messed creation up. And it messed our relationship with God up. So then when we accept Jesus, he mends that relationship with God again. We become spiritually alive again. And eventually we'll be physically and spiritually alive forever again because of Jesus. And so Jesus equals life. So now it's life. I've got it. Now what? So we're going to go back to our verses in Ephesians, okay? We've been reading these for the past few weeks. And um, we're going to keep looking at them because there's so much in them that's just so good. Um, that's really going to help us understand more of what it looks like to experience this life, okay? So, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, okay? It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. That would be Satan is what that's talking about. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were, were by nature children of wrath 
like the rest of mankind. So all that's saying right there is all of us have sinned, we've messed up. That's all of us. That's not just the bad, the bad people, the bad students, the bad middle schoolers, the bad adults. That, that's not the, just the bad people. That's all of us. We all have been those people. And so the writer's just painting that picture, like reminding us all, hey, that was all us. We all sinned. We all messed up. We all did that thing that ultimately equals death. Okay, that, that was all of us. Then verse 4, it says, but God, let's, let's say that all together on three, okay? One, two, three, but God, nice. That means this is all going to change now. The sin, death thing, the bad stuff, that's all going to get fixed. That's all going to get changed because God's about to change that. So, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And that's what we focused in on last week, was we were dead. All of us were dead. We all sinned. We all messed up. And because of that, we're dead. Now, Jesus flips that on his head, brings all of us back to life, and enables us to experience life the way God intended for us to experience it which is knowing him and following him. So tonight is going to be about what does that mean? What does it look like to now walk in that new life? Well, what's awesome is if you skip down a few verses and you go down to verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2, we start to get a picture of what that is. And this is what it says. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So a couple things I want to pull out of that, um, out of that one verse is, we were created by God for good works. That's an action type thing. Good works is doing something. Would you agree with that? If you're going to do a good, if somebody said, hey man, you did some great work right there. That didn't mean you just sat and did nothing, did it? It meant you did something. You had some type of action That just happened and you did that. And so we have apparently good works that we are going to do that God's got for us. And that's part of what this life is now. And God's had this prepared for us beforehand. So he knows what you're going to do ahead of time. He knows what I'm going to do ahead of time. He knows what these things are for us. All we have to do is walk in faith and actually follow him. And we're going to find him. We're going to get to do him. We're going to experience him. In that last little little part of the sentence there at the end is that we should walk in them. Walk is an action word. It's a verb. It implies action. It's not sitting. It's not stagnant. It's not just sitting still. It is moving. Would you agree? And so if we have good works, let's just say the good works are over here on this side of the stage, right? And over here is where we became alive and we came to know who Jesus is and we took our first spiritual breath, right? And then it's like, okay, so now I know Jesus. I'm alive. What do I do? What some Christians do is they do this. What do I do? And they just ask, what do I do over and over? What do I do? God, what do I do? And they never go anywhere and they never do anything. And they just sit in this new life that they have in Jesus, which is great that they're now alive. It's just so, such a bummer that they're not experienced in life, you know? So if what Jesus just says here through Ephesians chapter 2, through, through Paul writing this, is, hey, 
Um, God created you for these good works that I've got planned for you, and they're over there. Once we get this new life and we get Jesus, then what should we do? Instead of standing here asking what should we do, what should we do? Walk that way, right? Like, go towards the good stuff God's got for us. That makes good sense. Whoever said that gets 100 points for nothing. Um, so now we're walking towards something. We have, we have direction. We have an action step to move towards something. And that something is what God has for us in the future, which are good works. What are those good works? I don't know. That could be a whole lot of different things. That could be you being super nice to somebody at lunch period who's had a terrible day. And then you just being nice to them makes them feel like they're not alone in the world and that there might be hope. That simple thing might be one of those things that God's wanting you to walk towards. It could be your mom and dad who have never known anything about who God is or who Jesus is, or maybe had a terrible mom and dad themselves, and so they've had a really hard time loving you. And so for whatever reason, God has picked you to be their kid so that you can be the one that helps them see Jesus one day. And you go home and you love them even though they're not very loving to you. And you do the things they've asked you to do even though it doesn't make any sense what they're asking you to do. And you respect them even though they might not even deserve respect. You do it anyway. Because God put you in their family for a reason. And then you doing all those things might one day open up this opportunity because you're walking towards the good works God has for you that eventually you get this opportunity to help them see Jesus. I don't know what the good works are. It could be both of those things. It could be neither of those things. It could be all kinds of things. But the point is, we won't get to them unless we do what? Move. Walk. Yes, we have to move. If we just stand here in this moment of accepting Jesus and we go nowhere with it, are we ever going to get there? No. So, now that we know we have to move, that's part of what this new life is, is actually moving, using the breath for movement, using the the life for actual action, then what do we do in that? Well, there's a reason we're called Christians when we start to trust Jesus. It's because we're trying to follow him. Like, do what he did. So if you're ever like, man, okay, I know I'm supposed to go towards the good works, the things God's got for me now, so that's cool. But what direction is that? Like, I know that it's that way because you said it was that way. But what if somebody doesn't tell me it's that way? Which way do I go? Well, you just go the way Jesus went. That sounds super simple, right? Well, if you go and you look at some of the stories in the New Testament of what Jesus did, you can start to get a clear path of where to go. Because he would go and talk to people that most people wouldn't talk to. I know that exists in middle school. I know there are groups of people where other people try to avoid those people all over the place, in classrooms, in lunchrooms, in hallways, at bus stops, everywhere. I mean, those, those places exist where certain groups of people are trying to avoid other groups of people, and Jesus did the opposite of that. He would go out of his way sometimes to talk to somebody that most people try to not talk to. So there's one little thing that you could start to learn where, where direct, what direction you're supposed to go in, right? Then he also was very forgiving. When people felt judged and felt like 
that were ter- terrible, evil people and that would come to him and talk to him, he would not make them feel this big and guilt them and be like, listen, you need to go ahead and get a bag, fill it up with clothes, because we're going on a guilt trip, okay? You're a terrible person. I'm Jesus, and I'm perfect, and you're not perfect, and you're evil and sinful and bad, and you're going to die. <laughs> Jesus didn't say any of that. He could. He's Jesus. I mean, he could say any of that if he wanted, but he didn't. Instead, he was like gracious to them, and he listened to them, and he would tell them that God forgives them. How many of us try to put other people down to make us feel better about ourselves? We all do it. You don't have to put your hand up, but thank you for your honesty. We all do it. All of us do it. And those of us that do it all the time, you're called a bully. And bullying's not cool. There's rules against it in school now. Um, But there's also things in the Bible that speak against it, which is a bigger deal. And so us putting other people down to make us feel better is totally contrary to the good works God's calling us to move towards. So you can go ahead and wipe that out of your schedule of things to do. I'm going to bully five people today. Go ahead and stop doing that because that's not the good works God's got for you. That's not the things Jesus is calling you to. That's not the way he lived his life, okay? And so there's all of these directional markers that help us know the way, the path to the good works God made us for because it's ultimately the way Jesus already walked. So look at Jesus' life. You'll start to pick up on which direction you need to go in and what those good works, where they're at, and where you need to start walking. So with that, I found this really, really cool verse. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And these verses right here kind of help continue to encourage us in this direction because here's the thing. When you start to follow Jesus and you start to live this life that Jesus is calling you to, some people are going to have an issue with it. Like some people are going to look at you weird when you do that. In middle school, it's not super accepted, nor is it practiced a whole lot, to be nice, accepting, gracious, and loving to people. Do any middle schoolers in the room agree with me on that? That's not a normal thing to see, right? Okay. To be nice, loving, gracious, those things to other people, and no matter who they are, that's not a normal thing to see in middle school. So when you start to be those people, when you start to be the Jesus people in your middle school, some people are going to look at you and they're going to try to bully you because of you trying to follow Jesus. They did it to Jesus. They bullied him. They tried to kill him. And they did for three days. But then he was like, ha, no, I'm not dead. And so here's the thing. The same thing that Jesus did, which is continue to do what he was supposed to do, even though people bullied him, is the thing, same thing we're supposed to do. Now, that takes courage. That takes bravery. That takes trusting God. That takes faith. And so those of you who are in the room who are like, man, okay, doing these good works, following Jesus, this stuff sounds good. This is what it looks like to experience the life God has made us for and made us to experience. I want that. Know that it isn't always easy. Like God even promises it won't always be easy. But even in the not easy, it's still good. 
Have you ever done the right thing before? And you knew you were doing the right thing. And after you did the right thing, something bad happened because you did the right thing. But at the same time, you felt good because you knew you did the right thing. You know what I'm talking about? That is what I'm talking about right now. Jesus has called you to live a particular way. If you live that way, some people will make fun of you. There will be some things that will happen because you're living that way that might be negative as far as it might have a negative impact on you. But in your soul, you're going to feel good. You're going to feel alive because you know you're doing the thing God made you to do. Does that make sense? Say yes if that makes sense. Thank you. All right, now. With all that said, we're going to jump into Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, okay? It says, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us set aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may grow may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So when you're doing this, when you're pursuing the good works God's got for you, the things that he's asked you to do, the way of Jesus, when you're following in that path, you always know that it you can do it. Like you don't have to give up. You don't have to give back into the sin that maybe trips you up, that you know isn't what God called you to do, that you know ultimately hurts you or hurts somebody else. Because again, sin equals death, so it doesn't lead to anything good. And so when you start to feel that thing creeping back up, like, oh man, I really want to do that sin, whatever that sin is. I want to steal, I want to gossip, I want to, whatever that thing is. You, you're like, no, 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 I don't have to do that. Jesus has enabled me to not do that. I don't have to do that. I can continue to follow after him. He did the, the ultimate showing of love by dying for me, man. He knew he was going to die on a cross, and he still did it. Because he knew it was going to lead to me being able to have life. And do you realize by him dying on the sin, that's the reason you can say no to sin now? Like you can be like, no, 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 I ain't got to sin anymore. I don't have to sin anymore because Jesus killed it on the cross. Like I don't have to do it. It's dead already. And so you get to walk in that freedom because Jesus walked in it for you. And so we get to walk in it. So here's my last thing, okay? If you've ever played sports or or run or anything like that, you, you start to breathe heavy the more active you get, you know? You you start to feel like you're you're, you're, you're losing it. Like if, if um, you know, Conor Gregory ran into this when he faced Mayweather this past weekend. He, he gassed out. He ran out of breath. So when you are running or you're playing a sport or whatever it is you're doing when you're active and you're, you're pursuing something, you're going to start breathing heavier and heavier and heavier. And here in Hebrews, we're told to run the race that God's put before us and be encouraged and know that Jesus is with us. Jesus enables us to run this race. So even when you get winded, even when you get like you, you feel like, oh man, I, got, I don't know if I have anything left. Jesus is continuing to provide the breath of life in you. You can do it. 
And so there's this phrase that just runs in my head. Whenever I go running and I feel like I'm going to like, I, I can't do it anymore. I, I, I got to stop, but I haven't reached my goal yet. It's this, it's this phrase of if, if I can still breathe, then I can still move. If you can still breathe, you can still move. So there's going to be moments where you feel like you can't keep moving towards Jesus. You can't keep following him. You're going to feel like the sin is too much. The people making fun of you is too much. Your reputation is too important. You're going to feel like it's just too hard. There's going to be moments like that, especially in middle school. It's going to feel like that. You're going to feel like you can't catch your breath. And you want, you're going to want to give up. You're going to want to quit going after it. You're going to want to quit moving. You're going to want to settle back into the couch and just stop. Just be like, man, I just need to just stop and chill. And then before you know it, you're going to look up and you've just been on the couch for hours. And you got, you got nothing accomplished. And you didn't experience life. And so God is saying, no, 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 no. You, you, I'm still giving you breath. You have breath. You can keep moving. You're going to have all the breath you need for the rest of your life because you have Jesus. When we have Jesus, we have everything that we need. We get to experience this life by moving towards the things he has for us. Every day just trusting, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus today. I'm going to follow Jesus today. And as you do that, you're going to experience this life that he's got for you as a son, as a daughter who's loved by him. And so you don't have to just keep sitting on the couch. You don't have to just keep waiting and asking, what do I do? What do I do? You can put your shoes on. You can start to stand up and you can start moving. Going towards what God's got for you. Following in Jesus' footsteps. Loving him and loving the people around you. And when you do that, people will see Jesus in you. And they'll get to experience that same breath in their life. And that's who we're meant to be. Those are the people we're meant to be. That's the middle schooler you're meant to be. And that's the revolution. That's why we're here. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you guys tonight to walk in the thing he's called us to, the life he's called us to, and use the breath he's given you so that you can see and experience these good things he's got for you in your life. And as you do that, you get to experience what it is to really know God and have a relationship with him. So God, thank you so much for every single person that's in this room. Thank you for every 6th, 7th, and 8th grader. Thank you for whatever school they come from, whether it's a, a public school, a private school, home school, whatever it is, I just thank you that they're here and that they have this opportunity, just like all of us do, to know you. Because we get this chance to know Jesus. And when we know Jesus, we have this chance to have life. And when we have life, we have this chance to move and follow after Jesus. So help us to move. Help us to not stay stagnant, just asking, what do we do? What do we do? Help us to follow Jesus. Help us to be like Jesus, wherever you've put us. And as we do that, we just thank you that we get to experience what that is. Experience those good things you have for us in the future. And God, we love you. We can't thank you enough for the fact we get to, to know you, to love you, to worship you. So God, we want to continue to give, give you our life. And when we wake up in the morning, God, help us to get up and to move as we follow Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.